With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Talk Radio. If it's in business, it's Business Soup. I'm John Debevoise, and in the business of business, we have from the Projects and Ideas Department, Roger Nuneman, Vice President of Strategic Products at Aqualine Drones, and he's going to be dishing out some ingredients for business opportunities and how to get your business above it all. So pull up a chair, sit on down. Business soup is on the table. Roger, welcome to this serving of Business Soup. Thank you, John. Roger, you are the Vice President of Strategic Projects for a company with the acronym or the abbreviation of AD. That's Aqualine Drones. What is that? We are a drone airline, one of uh, only four in the United States, the uh, other three being uh, UPS, Amazon, and uh, Google's Project Wing. And we are first and foremost a data company that uses drones as a means to an end to gather that data, turn it into something useful for the customer and enable the widespread uh, deployment of uh, drones into our national airspace. Now, the definition of a drone is what? Drone is any type of vehicle that is unmanned, that does not have a person. So when we talk about drones at Aqualine Drones, we we talk not only about uh, UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles, but also uh, UGVs, unmanned ground vehicles. Okay. So your company is developing and deploying these unmanned aircraft that are drones that are doing what? Unmanned aerial vehicles have almost an infinite number of use cases. There's hardly an industry that you could think of where drones can't make that business safer, more efficient, and more convenient. When you look around the world today, drones are just barely scratching the surface as far as what their capabilities and potentials are to achieve those goals. But where you're seeing them today is everywhere from much talked about in this country, package delivery, but also in precision forestry, agriculture, security, surveillance, urgent life-saving missions, transporting tissue, blood samples, medicines, all the way up to including human organs, heavy uh, asset inspection. So think of now you can cover many, many miles of railways and high-tension power lines nuclear and coal and natural gas power generating facilities, you name it. So we can see these things, not just in the entertainment spaces, but these can be very serious applications, as you mentioned, about delivering life-critical elements, organs, tissues, and such, or even so much as to do perimeter security over large areas. And I've heard that law enforcement is using these devices What are the regulations that are coming into play to limit the way in which these devices are being used from the hobby to law enforcement? Who can play in what field or in what arena? That's a great question. If you look around the world, particularly in in Asia, parts of Europe, certainly Middle East, the U.S. is around eight to 10 years behind the rollout and usage of drones from, from those other places. And the reason why was because the regulatory environment really didn't allow development of these applications up until recently. A few years ago, the FAA passed what is called their Part 107 regulations, 
which started to free up and allow the commercial use of drones here in the United States. It's an involving process, the, the FAA. Their, their mandate is, is safety. Uh, that's why they exist. They do that very well. So what the FAA is doing and what we're working with them is to help solve the problem that they have. They also have a mandate to integrate these drones into the national airspace system safety. And there's a lot of challenges that come in with that. So we're using our background as aviators and our knowledge of the national airspace system and our knowledge of the FAA's existing regulations to work with them and help them figure out a way to allow these drones to be flying in the same airspace as our Marin aircraft and being done in a way that ensures that it's done safely and responsibly. It looks like the technology is surpassing the regulations, that regulation is having to play catch up to these devices. How far behind are they? Well, the U.S. as a whole uh, is about eight to 10 years behind. Um, This technology has been around for a while in other parts of the world, and it's been deployed uh, safely and responsibly in a lot of cases. So the technology is already here. It's been here for a while. Now it's a question of allowing it to operate in this country in a way that the FAA is comfortable with and a way that ensures that the drones are not misused or abused. Like you correctly stated earlier, they are very powerful tools, very powerful aircraft, and they're very powerful to improve society when done responsibly. So, but they can also have the potential of being misused. And the FAA is very, uh, very aware of that. And they need to make sure that the appropriate levels of regulation and safety remain in place to prevent that from happening. I believe they license them as to different types of categories of usage by weight. Is that how it works? Generally, when you're looking at commercial drones under the Part 107 regulations, they place a limit of a total weight of 55 pounds. There's several restrictions that are currently in place that really prevent a lot of the capabilities from being realized with UAV systems. That's a 55-pound limitation. Other limitations are not able to fly uh, at night, not able to fly beyond the line of sight. They call it beyond visual line of sight of the operator, not able to fly and not able to uh, fly over people. Now, there is a mechanism that they have in place where they issue individual waivers per operator per flight um, that gives relief on those regulations, but they're cumbersome. And going forward, there needs to be a rethinking of how that's done in order to see the type of uh, benefit from drones that you see in other parts of the world. When I'm at an event, whether it be a rodeo or a boat show or I'm at a parade, and I see these drones floating around taking pictures... Are they supposed to be licensed, trained operators and such? And are they allowed to be floating those or flying them over the people? They are required to be licensed when they are for hire, when it's a commercial application. Now, they do not have to uh, carry a full license such as a commercial airline pilot does, but there is a process in place. It's fairly rigorous where there's a reasonable amount of study that a person has to undergo to understand the regulations to understand the basic aerodynamic forces at play, and to understand how to operate within the uh, national airspace system. All right. So you have my attention. And let's say that I walk into your office and I say, I need to do business with you. I'm a small business owner. What are the things that I might be looking at and why would I be doing business with you? Okay, absolutely. So Aqualine Drones, like I said, is first and foremost a data company. And that starts with our cloud. Uh, we have developed and deployed the first aviation-optimized 
UAV cloud uh, in existence. I don't know what that means. What that allows is it allows current drone operators to be able to upload their data, to store it securely, to provide real-time data analysis and data insights of that data, and also to provide command and control automation of the flight, ultimately with a goal of freeing up that pilot to operate not just one drone, but also oversee the flights of several drones simultaneously, potentially a dozen, a hundred, or, or maybe even more. So that's the importance of the cloud, and that is really where the whole ecosystem is managed. That also allows the pilot, the operator, to ensure compliance with all FAA regulations and airspace restrictions. The FAA will put up as needed what they call temporary flight restrictions. Think uh, around airspace, around special events, around uh, VIPs and politicians, that sort of thing. And that's constantly changing. That becomes a no-fly zone. Well, the cloud will ensure that the pilot is, is not only fully aware of all TFRs in real time, but will actually plan the flights around those TFRs, ensuring compliance. And then when you take into account our command and control, simply will not allow that UAV, that aircraft, to violate that regulation. So there are controls that are out there that will prevent these vehicles from going into the airspace where they're not allowed. Absolutely. To go even beyond that, let's say you come in and you uh, need a drone solution designed as a rancher. We can go ahead and we can look at how much property you have, how many acres your ranch is, how many heads of cattle you have, design a solution in order to, to monitor that whether it be monitoring where the herds are, monitoring the temperature of the herd so that if one of them um, uh, becomes ill, they can be separated out and treated before it spreads to the rest of the cattle. And then we can design that solution so that those UAVs cannot be operated in a manner that's not consistent with that use case. So somebody would not be able to take that UAV and not only would they not be able to, to have it stray outside the confines of the ranch, or certainly violate any airspace restrictions by the FAA, but they wouldn't be able to use it for any various use or anything um, outside of what uh, what that drone was programmed to do. Well, now, I object. You're talking about replacing the cowboy, and I like going out on the <laughs> out on the range and with my cattle. Are these drones powered by gas, by battery, or both? And what are the limitations that keep them from going all day? Another great question. They all operate, if they're pure electric, between 30 and 45 minutes. They all fly at about 50 miles per hour. They all have around the same wind and weather limitations. And then you can step up to a hybrid model, something that burns gasoline or hydrogen, um, and they can fly for about two hours. The way we look at it and the way we see it quite accurately is the value is in the data that it collects. If you have a drone, no matter how much the drone costs, no matter how impressive it looks, if it doesn't have a camera on it, if it doesn't have a gas detector or, or infrared, if it doesn't gather any data, it's nothing more than a toy. You can take the, the most basic drone and you can put a powerful camera on that. And now that is a powerful agent of business that can make and save an enterprise money. So it's the data and being able to use the cloud to get away from that one-to-one -one relationship that we have now that you see here in the U.S. where you have one pilot, one drone. Now you free that pilot up, so now he's not really an operator. He's more like what you see in, in commercial aviation. He's a manager. Okay, He's managing a fleet. You have those drones autonomously flying the mission that, that's been defined for them, gathering that data, 
using a patented decision ranking algorithm. So when it sees something that it flags to bring a human into the loop, then it sends an alert. That's where the power of this is. It's not in the drone itself. And our technology, our cloud, and also our manufacturing, which I hope to get to in a little bit, is designed to be hardware agnostic, platform manufacturer agnostic. So that could be used not just with Aqualine's drones, but it could also be used with anybody's drone. So basically what the drone is, is it acquires information and distributes. It's a collection and distribution vehicle that can be done in live time, such as how it would help the police departments and or the military, giving them literally that bird's eye view in live time. Precisely. And the drone is just the vehicle by which it passes. Exactly. Yes. It's a data collection tool. That's nothing more, nothing less. I'd like to get into the manufacturing because I know that that's what you guys do in addition to your data collection. But I also see an opportunity for my audience of small business owners to perhaps have an ancillary business with the drone. I see this as an opportunity for business owners. Let's talk about how these things come into existence. You take a motor, you take all of these parts with batteries, and you put them together. And how does that all work? And how did you bring it all together? A typical drone, regardless of its size and really regardless of the manufacturer, they all, like I said, are very similar. And they all have between 150 and 200 parts. And that's it. A lot of those parts can be 3D printed, uh, additive manufacturing. So what we've come up with, what we pioneered, is the concept that we call the Agile Workstation Cell, or AWC. AWC's brilliance is in its simplicity. They're 15-foot by 15-foot fully self-contained assembly facilities. They are constructed off uh, with, with very um, commonly available materials. Think of a, like a cubicle for a factory. And they can be deployed anywhere. They can be palletized and shipped off. They can be set up near the battlefront for the military. They can be franchised out and, uh, and set up in people's garages uh, and basements. Uh, or they could do what, what we're doing up in Connecticut, and they could be set up in clusters and nodes in a large warehouse or factory type setting. And the parts are printed to support these agile workstation cells on site off the 3D printers and then stocked in bins at the start of a shift uh, in each AWC, which is manned by, by three techs at a time. And what this allows us to do is very quickly, extremely quickly, almost overnight, and very inexpensively, scale up to meet demand. Not only scale up to meet demand, but also put that manufacturing and maintenance, repair, and overhaul uh, capability uh, wherever it's needed, be East Coast, West Coast, you know, out in the battlefront, you name it. And because it's supported by 3D printing, we can quickly modify, almost in real time, modify the designs of the drones in order to meet changing mission parameters. 3D printing, additive manufacturing, is something that the military loves. They are very, very, very aggressively uh, moving into 3D manufacturing because not only can they produce, uh, and this is not just with drones, but in all things, in all parts, not only can they produce what they need right then and there, but they can also modify it uh, right then and there because it's just a manipulation of a file. 
it's spectacular technology. First time I saw that was at Consumer Electronics Show years ago, and I was fascinated with what they could do. You've taken the 3D technology, and you can, in real time, just create, modify specifically what the customer needs, whether it be law enforcement, perimeter security, or utility company needs to do an inspection of their property. It can be modified to accommodate their special needs. Yes. And we always have, as replacement parts are needed, we can also print them as well. And we can essentially produce a small run of drones, you know, one to 10, one to 100 for essentially the same cost per unit as building a thousand of them. Very, very powerful technology. Really opens up possibilities. I like the aspect that you've invented a different kind of wheel, but without reinventing the wheel. You've taken existing technologies and combined them with your data collection, and you've created a business that has enterprise solutions down to the home-based business. As I tell everybody, they should have their own home-based business, and what a great opportunity for a low cost of entry compared to other business opportunities to step in and have a business. You hit the nail on the head when you said lowering the cost of entry, and that that is exactly what we're looking to do. We're looking to lower the barrier entry to as as close to to, to ground level, to eliminating as close as we possibly can, whether it's becoming an entrepreneur and a franchisee, doing our manufacturing or maintenance repair and overhaul, to operating the UAB, to going, going ahead and ensuring compliance through our cloud with all regulations and aerospace restrictions and automating the flight path up to even uh, not uh, necessarily selling the drones, but leasing them on a subscription service to the customers so that the upfront cost is is near zero. Think of like when uh, you go out and you buy your $1,000 cell phone every two years. People write <laughs> yes. that check for $1,000. You know, they walk in, they sign something, and they walk out with a brand new phone. When you're talking about a business like this, an industry like this, where the, the value proposition is, is safety and, and cost, by the time that first payment for the subscription comes around, the idea is the customers already saved far more over the course of that month or so than what they're going to be out, uh, expected to, um, to pay as part of the subscription. Well, I can imagine that just like my $1,000 cell phone that gets updated all the time, new things come along that will improve the performance or the need to upgrade my drone. How does that work? Do I really need to upgrade the hardware or is it a software that I would be using in the cloud to make whatever it is I'm doing with my drone work better, faster and smarter? Everything's tied to the cloud. The cloud is what opens this technology up really, really unleashes it, unleashes the power and the potential. And it's all done on a, uh, a tier service, uh, a la carte. So you build the plan, the subscription that's going to work for your use case, and then you pay accordingly based on what, what tiers you are and add functionality all the time. And we can even go ahead and custom design solutions for enterprise users uh, for their particular use case if it's not something that's already in our bucket of offerings. Do a little backstory on how I came to know about your company in one of my cattle subscriptions that I have in the beef cattle. They had a picture of a drone that looks like a giant basketball with cameras on it that said, we haven't seen these rolling across our pastures, but we can sure expect to see something like this. And I'm going, what is that thing? And it is a giant ball. 
And I'm going, wow, what are the applications where the government can drop one of these in our pastures and find out what's going on? Or could it be used to measure the height of the short grass that we graze our cattle on? And that's how I came to know about you was this very interesting rolling drone. What applications has this been put into it? I can see that it can be amphibious or dropped from the air. And I think it was designed to be roving around other planets. Yes, that is uh, that is GuardBot. Um, and you're absolutely right. It was originally designed to be roving around Mars. GuardBot is a company that we partnered with, that we are hosting their technology on our cloud, including command and control and real-time uh, data insights. And we are going to begin manufacturing guard bots here in in the next few months. Interestingly enough, with the COVID-19 outbreak, we've seen overnight uh, a flood of inquiries and solicitations about guard bot being used for all manner of things to um, eliminate people from the front lines of the uh, viral outbreak. So guard bots have a myriad of applications. They're amphibious. uh, They're all-terrain. They can be used inside buildings to go ahead and do perimeter patrols, security patrols. They can interact with people, sick patients. They can monitor temperature, take vital statistics. And of course, in agriculture, they can do all the things that you talked about. They can go and roll through the pasture, roll through the field, take any type of reading and carry any type of camera that a UAV or farmer would need to carry in order to gather the data. And it can cross a creek too. It sure can. And they can troll up to 25 hours on a single charge. Not only are they automated, not only can they carry a camera or any type of sensor that's needed, not only can they be two-way communication between a remote operator or can they they operate uh, autonomously, but they can operate for a very long period of time in between charges. And they can also be used as a swarm, same as UAVs, but, but on the ground. And they can interact with each other think now you have one doctor that has to make his rounds or you have one security guard in a building. Well, now they can go ahead and they can sit at a terminal while the guard bots do the patrol and they can watch the cameras or even have the guard bots go ahead and feed them alerts when they, you know, when they detect whatever it is, be it a person or, or a sick person with a fever or a person that's an area that they're, that they're not meant to be, and then go ahead and bring that human into the loop. Well, that's how I came in contact with you was through my beef magazine. And I saw this thing and I immediately saw the application and that it had the ability to be amphibious and be able to basically paddle its way through the water and then go on out. And apparently it can be any size. It could be the size of a softball or the size of a, a monster ball. The smallest iteration is as small as six inches, six inches in diameter, and they go all the way up to 12 feet, depending on what the uh, what the application is. Well, I found it interesting, and I'm sure that a swarm of those would get me and all my other cowboys bucked off if it came across our pastures. Imagine a swarm of drones monitoring Southern California during fire season for hotspots and anything greater than a campfire. You could have a swarm of uh, thousands of these monitoring millions of acres at one time. And if they were to see a hotspot, you know, those drones, if they had a fire retardant charge on it, guard bots stationed in strategic locations throughout the forest, they can coordinate with each other. And a guard bot could simply roll over to the area and put the fire out, all done without human intervention. The only thing that limits the applications of these is your imagination. And I can see so many applications with these. I just haven't figured out how to use it in radio. Well, some jobs shouldn't be automated away. (laughs) 
I appreciate that. But you have the ability to work with the small business all the way up to military or commercial applications, uh, franchises to franchisees. Yes, that's correct. As a business owner, I could see how this could be benefit to me to send it over my business or to, to check on the back lot of my construction lot. It's endless what I can do with this. As I tell everybody, have your own home-based business and employ your kids. Learn to write them off. Didn't motivate me to have any more, but I wrote them off as employees. And you know what, John? When you're talking about the smallest, smallest business, whether it be the entrepreneur who's looking to break in as a drone pilot or even just a small roofing contractor who needs to uh, go up and take a look at uh, the job before he goes ahead and, and puts his crew together, uh, we're going to be deploying the world's first drone on-demand service at the fourth quarter of this year, which is very, very close to the Uber type of model where you're going to be able to order up Say you're that roofing contractor who doesn't want to quite get the ladder out. You'll be able to order up from an app on your phone or your tablet a drone, very simple interface, be able to define the, the time, place, and objectives of the mission. And then that is going to go out and pair with a, a drone operator who will, who will arrive in order to deploy the drone on site. And then the drone, tied through our cloud, will completely autonomously fly the mission, upload the data encrypt it, store it on our cloud to be accessed when needed by the uh, by the customer. So that's going to greatly expand the availability of drones throughout our country. It's going to greatly reduce the cost of having a drone come out because the system is going to be automated. And it's going to ensure that the Part 107 pilots out there are going to have a steady supply of work. No longer are they going to have to go and get a website, a payment system, go ahead and build a customer base advertise, they can simply download the app, same as an Uber driver. So this is a career opportunity for pilots that come out of their flying history, their flying career, or for the student that wants a degree in drone flying. My local community college, uh, junior college, has a degree, an associate's degree in flying drones. Uh, yes, you can, John. And uh, just a little secret, um, but to become a licensed drone operator under the current regulations, you, you don't need a degree. You can do it relatively quickly and inexpensively. Your imagination only limits you to where you can go. Here's an opportunity. I see countless opportunities in getting involved in drones as part of an extension of your business or the creation of a secondary business. It's limitless. Do you see 5G being a benefit or of use to the drone world? Absolutely. We're talking about data, and when you're talking about data connectivity, and a bigger pipeline is, is, is everything. So when, when our CEO, our founder, Barry Alexander, conceptualized Aqualine Drones a little over five years ago now, he entered into a four-year period of incubation where he started to put the team together. He took advantage of his access to the world as a 747 pilot, see how drones were being used in other countries, and to uh, forge strategic partnerships. And the company came out of incubation in January of 2019. Well, that was just over a year ago. A little over a year ago. It was clear that the opportunity was there because this technology was being demonstrated elsewhere. But where we could not have possibly imagined where we'd be so fortunate as the timing because nobody could have predicted. But you, you have a confluence of the technologies, including 5G and its current employment, 
you have a rapid expansion of the Internet of Things, all these data points all being tied together through a cloud-based system. You have the FAA given a mandate to integrate UAVs into the airspace that they did not have before. And you have a tremendous push, never seen before in our lifetime anyway, to have American-based manufacturing. And all of these have come together just you know, by happenstance, and it's really just poured rocket fuel on, on our business. And again, everybody in the audience of Business Soup, you are in the business of business. That's why you're here. You listen to this show to get the tips, tools, and techniques. Here's an opportunity to capitalize on an American-made product, Aqualime Drones. For more information, visit us at bizsoup.com. That's B-I-Z-S-O-U-P.com, where business comes for business. And here's your opportunity to jump in on the emerging industry of drone aviation or on the ground. Roger, I want to thank you for being a part of this serving of Business Soup, Vice President of Strategic Projects at Aqualine Drones. Thank you for being on Business Soup. Thank you, John. This has been another serving of Business Soup, where business comes for business. I'm John Debevois, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.